Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellenbecker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellenbecker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Ann Mank, CFP, CPA, and Wealth Advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building, and also in the Village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building across from Winkies. We also service clients in Bonita Springs, Florida, but visit ellenbecker.com for more details. Today, my guest is Jennifer Buchholz. She is the owner of Excel and Flourish. It is a corporate tech company. And don't let that fool you. She actually has a great personality and is a ton of fun to talk with. But the best part is she can take something that's very technical, like Excel and Microsoft, and make it easy to understand for the common person like myself. And so she is here today to help give us some tips and techniques on how do we budget? How do we use those products to make our life a little bit easier, whether we own a business or just run a household? So Jennifer, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Ann. <laughs> well, I think I'd like to start with maybe the budgeting aspect. And so I work with a lot of clients. And that's one thing we always dig into is they just don't know where the cash flow is. They don't know how much they need in retirement. And they really don't know what tools or how to even approach that. And so you being the Microsoft guru that you are, I'm sure you have some ideas for our listeners. Absolutely. And so whatever we're going to talk about today, for the most part, you can use Excel if you have access to Excel. But otherwise, Google Sheets does a Mm -hmm. really good job with this stuff, too. So we're basically, when we're talking about the tool, it's a spreadsheet tool, whatever program you're going to use for it. There's a lot of options. I love Excel, but I also kind of grew up using it. In fact, you know, talking about family budgeting, my mom was an executive assistant. So every single thing in our household was either in a Word document, a spreadsheet, or an access database. Oh my gosh, an access database makes my skin crawl. (laughs) I know, I know. And for those of you who are like, oh my gosh, they're already talking above our head. Don't worry, (laughs) we're not getting into that. I promise. (laughs) But it just goes to show you, like, these are things that are lessons that we if we, we kind of either grow up with or we don't, right? And if you don't, then you have to figure out where to learn it. And sort of, if you're using tools like this at work, you can do the translation, but it's not necessarily natural. Sometimes people who use a spreadsheet at work, they may have never set one up on their own. They're just using one that's been set up for them. Mm-hmm. So like, I hope nobody kicks themselves for saying like, I should have done this. For-. no. You didn't know, you didn't learn, so now's the best time. That's a good point, because I use that a lot when I, with my clients as well. It's a lot of time when it comes to finance or money. Nobody taught you how money works. Nobody taught you the basics. And so it sounds like it's the same thing of you just start from where you are, and that's what part of why I have you here is to kind of help us get bridge that gap of what we might not have never learned and where we want to be. 
Well, and a lot of people, the best place to start really is on paper. But from a paper perspective, you know, you don't want to have to rewrite this thing every week, every month, every year. And eventually you want to be able to go back and look at your trends, right? Are things Mm -hmm. going up? Are things going down? You know, where have I gotten better and where do I need to improve? That's where the technology can come in is having something that you can copy and paste and, you know, it's going to save you time. So that's why, that's why we start talking about how a tool can be helpful. And that makes a lot of sense because you're making me have some flashbacks of my audit days where we had the column paper with all the lines and we had to foot everything. And, you know, that was just pure data. I know <laughs> Jennifer's making the, like this look right now. of like, I, I hear you. Um, yeah. But it, it really is. It's like, that's great. It can track it. But really what we need are the trends. Are we doing better? Are we on track? Um, and that's what some of these tools can really help. So if somebody really wants to get started and said, you know what, I might not be good at Excel, maybe played with Google Sheets or, okay, I'm just a rookie at this. How do they start? Where should they start? Whichever tool you're looking at, look for a template. Don't even, don't even try to build it yourself. Um, you can, but... That's going to actually, I feel like that's the slowest path. And instead, so my favorite in Excel is actually called a personal monthly budget. That's the template that you're looking for. And the nice thing about a template is it can be as detailed or as um, general as you want, right? So as an example, if you just want to have a category for auto, You can have that and keep it real, but then you have to think about what are all the things that should roll into the auto category. So a more detailed one is going to get into gas and maintenance and possibly insurance, or you might put that in a different category, you know, your actual car payments and anything else, you know, it, maybe you buy like a monthly car wash pass or something like that. So you want to put that all in the car bucket because if you start to think about like how much is my car costing me, it's really mm-hmm. not just your monthly car payment. It's all the things. And I got that when I first bought my house. <laughs> it's all Girl. the things. <laughs> yeah. But, and what I'm hearing is that it is sometimes we make things too detailed and too complicated and that's really what stops us in our path. But what it, it sounds like you're saying is, we can have these big buckets and just start putting it down so that we can start tracking it. Absolutely. So as an example, you know, one of the things that we also think about is how are we tracking our income versus our, you know, our expenditures, right? And there are people, if it's a two-family household with two incomes, right? Or there's people with more than one job, you know, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you're tracking both sides of that. It's not, we're not, when you're doing a budget, you're not just tracking like what you're spending, mm-hmm. but you're tracking all the money that comes in and the difference between like top line income. You know, this is, I get paid this much per hour, right? And really being aware of like, what are all those deductions that are happening? Because then that, so even the spreadsheet that you can sometimes download your pay statement. So you can start to see, from a tax planning um, standpoint, from a insurance, like how much are you having withheld for that? Pulling that stuff directly into a tool. And again, you can pull it right into um, Sheets or Excel, 
But then you can start to look at it month over month and then year over year and start to say, oh, are we planning this the right way? Yeah. And that's a good point too. It's really like, we like to call it more of a cash flow statement because it really is, you just follow the dollar as it comes through, you know, how much are you paid? What gets taken out? How much do you have left? How much hits your bank? What do you have taken out? And then how much do you have left over at the end of the day? And then what do you do with it? Like you should be doing something with that at the end of the day and not just maybe putting it in the bank or, you know, that's where we help our clients of just saying, okay, what is that net number? But you have to go through the exercise in order to know what that net number is. Otherwise, you're just kind of, you know, walking around in the dark, not knowing what you have. And then the other thing that I find eye-opening is once you have it in the Excel spreadsheet, a lot of times if I'm working with a client, they, they might say, I value... I'll just say church. I value my church. You start listing out where you're spending your money. Does that correspond with your value of church? Does that correspond with your value of education? And so there's just so much you can get from tracking and it doesn't have to be difficult. What are some things that individuals can do once they have the data in there? What's something they can do with it? Well, let me just, based on what you just said, Anne, you know, I would actually be looking at how can I just color code some of the things? Like if I'm truly saying that these things are the most important things to me, or I believe I spend this much, you know, or it's my intention to spend this much. So, you know, the color coding can help you highlight the things that really are that important to you. And then you're going to have the data to support. Like again, for church, if your goal is really to tithe 10%, do your numbers show it? And if they don't, when do you start course correcting? Because you don't want that to happen at the end of the year in December when there's often all sorts of other expenses happening. You know, that's something that should be course corrected and adjusted, you know, mid-year point. And this is what allows you to go back and reflect and say, I mean, we can get way more advanced in this and say, like, if a number, if that tithing number were to dip below 10%, We could actually use a tool called conditional formatting in Sheets or Excel, and it would actually show up in red and say, oh, you're not at the number that you said you wanted to be at. So it's not just actual tracking. It's aspirational spending as well. Oh, nice. I like that because that really does put it all in perspective of why you're doing this in the first place. So I just want to take a really quick break, but when we come back, I really want to start thinking of some ways that once we have the data in there, what are some things we can do with it? What can we think about as we're doing that as well? And then maybe for those that are a little bit more advanced, what's kind of the next step after that? So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I am your host and Mank, Wealth Advisor with Ellen Becker Investment Group. And I am joined today by Jennifer Buchholz. She is the founder of Excel and Flourish. And we were talking um, at the beginning of this of why it's important to track. How do we track our expenses? And also, as you noted, Jennifer, the cash coming in. It's not just expenses. It's the whole cash flow that we need to track. And I just want to mention too that Ellen Becker has a budget template that if you're interested in, you can just reach out to us or else Jennifer is also happy to help as well. And you can reach her at jennifer at 
excelandflourish.com. But as we were ending the last segment, we talked about aspirational spending. And I think that is such a great term and so glad you brought it up. So for our listeners, what do you mean by aspirational spending? Aspirational spending, in my experience, has been, I want to be spending this amount on this, right? So of my total income pie, I want to spend, you know, 40%. This would be great, right? Spend 40%, save 20% for retirement and put the other, you know, amount of money, because now that's 40% and I had to do math and I didn't use a spreadsheet for it. Um, put the other amount of money, you know, into other future savings, right? Or whatever, not necessarily retirement savings or to the church or whatever those things are. And to say like, until we see it in front of us, we don't always know what the percentages look like. We just sometimes know that there's 0% left at the end of the month and that we don't know if it's really went where we wanted it to go. So even just that idea of like, well, how do you want your money to go? right? Like if you, if you deem yourself to be a charitable person, what does that mean in terms of your monthly income? And you can start to paint the the aspirational picture. Then you can use a tool like Excel to report back on, are you actually, you know, what percentages are you doing to that? So you can adjust and course correct. It's really a check and balance without that an aspiration is just like, this is a great idea, but if you're not actually implementing it into the actions you're taking with your money management, it's kind of meaningless. Yeah. And you're bringing up a good point too. Like in financial planning, we have the 50, 30, 20 rule, which is very similar to what you were saying, where 50% of your expenses should be for your needs. So that's roof over your head, food, 20% should be going into savings, savings for now, saving for emergency, saving for retirement. And then what that allows you to do is now you've had, you have 70% of your money that's coming in, it's allocated, but guess what? Now you have 30% to do with whatever you want with because you've covered your basis. So that gives you the financial freedom, the financial flexibility, the ability to sleep at night because you've laid this out and you know what your aspirations are but you also know that your money is going into the right bucket. So you don't have to lay awake at night worrying if you have enough to cover because you know, you've already set it out. Um, So that's one of the budgets that I like to use of just putting in what I'm spending into those buckets and just seeing where I am, because that also allows you to course correct, like you were saying, because you can clearly see which cell is red and yelling at you when you put the conditional formatting in, you're like, Ooh, the little too much on takeout last month. So then you can start looking at that and say, then it's really easy to correct and it no longer becomes stressful. It becomes something that's manageable. Well, exactly. And I think, you know, part of that is, you know, we want to be really aware. Nobody should be wondering where their money went. If they don't know, that means that somebody's dipping their hands in your pocket. If you can't really, if you, because somebody's getting it, it's Mm -hmm. not disappearing. So you want to know that information is really important and powerful. And again, I like the 50, 30, 20 opportunity, but I also am curious because when you think about that 20% of savings, I also like to really, and one of the reasons I use my spreadsheets is to account for those things that you know are going to happen or you need to plan for, and you need like an accrued savings. Mm -hmm. And 
So I don't know if that would come out of that 20% or the 30%, but somewhere in there, it's the, my car won't last forever. And I know there's been so many times when I've been celebrating, oh my gosh, I paid off my, paid off my car. And theoretically in my head, I know that I should keep making that payment into an accrued savings so that the time, when the time comes, I have the money for the down payment or major repairs or whatever that is. I don't always do it. So where does that land for how you guys advise? So that would fall into the 20%. But with the spreadsheets, what that allows you to do, you know, you've always heard emergency funds, three to six months worth of expenses. Well, when I bring that up to clients, like what is three to six months worth of expenses? I get the deer in headlight look like, that's a great question. Well, if you have the spreadsheet, even if you just track it on a quarterly basis, you know what that 50% of absolute need expenses will be for you. Well, now you multiply that by six and you know how much you need in your emergency fund. So you start building it up. And then once you have that reserve, you have the reserve. And to your point with the accruing, I mean, that's just, that's anticipation. I mean, that's what a retirement plan in general is. You know, when you accrue, all it is, is you're thinking today about what might happen tomorrow and you're planning and preparing for it. Well, you know, it's also that whole, with an eventuality, it's not what if, it's when, right? Mm -hmm. Theoretically, it's when I retire, not what if, you know, it's when I need to get a different car because it's going to happen. So those kinds of things, even, you know, big household expenses, I really don't want to have to use my emergency fund when I need a new roof. Right. Because you, you're going to need a new roof. <laughs> I'm actually like, okay, that's next year. I got to put that in my head. But it's something we've been planning for. So I know it's coming. When it comes, it's not going to devastate us financially because we've been putting it into a bucket and waiting for it to happen. So, so I think that's a good point. And what these spreadsheets can do is just adds visibility. Um, I do host a, a seminar once a year at Ellen Becker, and it's called about tidying up your finances. And one thing I typically talk about is, well, when was the last time you reviewed your credit card statement or you reviewed what you spent on a monthly basis? Because how many of us have that gym membership you don't use, that magazine membership that you had three years ago and you've never read? Like all of these little expenses start creeping up and having it in a format that you can just download and review quickly that gives you the power over your money versus you being ruled by your money. Amen. Exactly. And you being the Excel guru that you are, you know, you can start making it visual. So if you're a visual, if you're a creative person, you can have find a way to download this data, but then you could have pie graphs, you could have charts, you can have trend lines so that if you're more of a visual person, the system can manipulate the information and give you that visual that you're looking for. Absolutely. So I just, I'm, I'm well, coming up from accounting, I'm a big fan of Excel, <laughs> but I do think it helps give you the power to understand what your life looks like so that you can get control. And then, you know, like I said, less stress, you don't have to worry about staying up at night, wondering where your money is going. Cause you know where it's going. So If someone does have a budget in place, do you have any ways of making it easier to get that data in? Or is it just a matter of you pull out your spreadsheets and you just start typing away into into Excel and start categorizing yourself? 
Well, there's definitely going to be some advanced tips I can provide on how you can make some connections to things that you might be downloading. But as we're talking, the monthly budget template that I'm looking at, because I pulled one up just to have as a resource as we're chatting, I don't like it. It, it does the job of capturing one snapshot, but it's not a rolling tool. So I actually, I want to propose something even simpler. Okay, I'm all yours. What? Right? What if what we were really doing is making sure to start that we were just tracking all of our expenses? Now, tracking expenses is not the same as working within a budget, but it's one of the steps involved. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of noodling through. I'll have a better idea for you when we come back from the next break. Um, <laughs> I'm noodling through what that could look like in literally creating like something that's a one-click wonder of pulling that stuff together. So I was going to say, you guys can't see her. I can see her and she's got these gears going in her head. So this is a perfect segment to take a quick break. We'll noodle over it just a little bit. And when we come back, we'll, we'll continue talking about ways that we can make budgeting and cash flowing easier for you, but then also talk about some other tips that she might have on just how to make life easier in general in this very technology-based world of ours. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I am your host, Anne Mank, Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. And I am joined today with the Excel guru and master, Jennifer Buchholz, owner of Excel and Flourish. And when we last left, she did a little noodling in her head and it has come together nicely. She has a quick idea that at first might sound overwhelming, but we think it might be an easy solution because as we were talking, we were realizing that most people these days either have a credit card or ATM or automatic payments. So the data is there electronically already. So Jennifer, what did you come up with for an idea? So the reality is, even if you are still just going off of your receipts, which I don't think most people are doing, Having a quick data entry into the sheet just of your expenses is going to start to give you a really good trending. So if you download any one of those, your bank statement, your credit card reports, you can download and export those into Excel. And what we'd be looking for is for you to categorize those expenses based on what your budget is. And those are quick, easy categories to get set up. What's nice about that is that rather than going in and adding them up yourself so that they fit into the budget or you're pulling the data right from the direct source. It's your chance to review all of those statements as you go to make sure that you're really conscientious about what those spends are and make any corrections like those darn gym memberships. Right. And then you're plugging it in saying, yeah, this is the reality. But what's nice about the the way that we're looking at doing this is let's say, for example, I wanted to get a perspective of what my housing was, everything related to my home for the last year. I can run a quick report in Excel and in Google Sheets. It's called a pivot table. I'm going to put a quick YouTube video together for you guys that you'll be able to access. You'll get more information on that. But what you're going to be able to do is just see, you really can go from data to pivot table in two minutes or less. Mm -hmm. 
And these things are so powerful and you don't have to write a formula. You don't have to know math, honestly. You don't have to know math, but the tool will calculate it for you. And you can then say, oh, show it to me month by month. Oh, wow. I have this big spike this month. Let's budget adjust for that. Right? Mm -hmm. So it just informs so many things rather than just looking at a monthly budget as a standalone, which is what I see so often. Right. And that's great. Like back in my day of accounting, it's like pivot tables used to be like, oh, pivot tables, but they have come a long way where it is just click and play now. So, and, and I just remember that we used to use it in accounting all the time because of the trends and the data that it could provide very quickly. And what this is also making me think of too, is, you know, you start looking at, like you said, show me a whole year's worth of this expense you can see what you typically spend. And then what happens is now you're, you're forming that gut feeling of, I know I usually spend $200 on this and I've spent 300 this month. What's going on? Um, and I rely on my gut a lot. I don't do the budget. I look at what I've spent so that I could have formed this idea of what do I typically do so that I know when things are off or I know when I need to start pulling back because spending is getting a little too crazy, especially right now we're around the holiday time. And so I always have to keep myself in check with that. But that's what seeing it laid out can start doing for you is knowing, you know, we're all each individual people. So my spending is not going to be the same as yours, Jennifer. And so I can't tell you how much you should spend on your auto. But you can tell yourself if you are within reason for what you have coming in and what you typically spend. So I think it's great. Well, exactly. And I think there's also, it's, this is a backward looking approach to inform future decisions. So if you take a look at this and you're like, wow, that could be cool. What you may find then is go back three or six months and download those transactions and categorize them and get the data, because then that's going to at least help to inform your next six months. And once you have a year's worth of data, it's all going to land in the same place, which is what's so fun, is that then you can say, oh, January of last year was this, and January of this year is that. I wonder what was different, and continue to adjust moving forward. Again, the snapshot, you know, I run a business, so I look at my profit and loss, and I look at my balance sheet, but while the snapshot is good, it's so much about the cash flow, right? And planning for when stuff is coming in, when it's going out. This time of year, we're all thinking, often thinking about property tax payments that many people try to make before the end of the year. Well, with COVID, I know a lot of people went into mortgage deferment or forbearance, right? Mm -hmm. Think about that. If you didn't make your mortgage payment for the last six months, they didn't yeah. accrue for your property taxes. If you hadn't come up with an idea on how you were going to take care of it, does your bank do it? Like, how does it work? Because guess what? In less than a month, you got to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And so knowing where that lands in your budget and how that all looks like, we don't want surprises. Right. No, I don't want surprises. I mean, I love, I love surprises when they're birthday gifts or, you know, something like that. But when it comes to this, I don't want a surprise. And you also brought up a really good point too, of being a business owner. I see so many business owners when they're starting out, it's fun to be creative. It's fun to put a message out there. You know, that's all the sexy stuff over there. I see so many individuals who trip up because they aren't looking at their P&L. Absolutely. 
And I think the other thing that's come to me as a business owner that I need to get better at is really sort of, and the same type of breakdown that you were sharing, which, you know, as a business owner, I need to account for paying whoever does the service, keeping profit, profit's Mm -hmm. good. Yeah. (laughs) Paying for my overhead, right? And since we're doing sales, you know, I also have to pay for my lead gen and for, you know, sale closing and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and breaking that down into percentages. So just because I make X amount of, let's say I make a thousand dollars on a project, Mm -hmm. doesn't mean I get to go spend a thousand dollars. I spent some of it to make the sale already. I spent some of it to do the administrative services with it. Yep. And a lot of times with a small business owner, it's that estimated tax payment or the taxes at the end of the year that I see so many of them get surprised by. And then you're in the loop of, I didn't pay enough. I have a penalty next year. I have to pay for the penalty. So I can't do estimated taxes. So you get caught in a loophole just from taxes because you're not tracking the information. And really the idea of aspirational spending should be happening for business owners as well. Right. I mean, many of them want to do good things. So that might be part of charitable really thinking, how should my business dollar be spent? How much should I be spending on marketing and things like that? And same type of thing. It's just different categories. It's Mm -hmm. not a different tool. It's just different categories. Yep. And one of the things when I'm talking to small business owners, a lot of times when you start the business, it's, oh, money's coming in and it goes right into your bank account. And that's how they manage their business at first. And it's if you could set these buckets up, set up the categories that you think are important to you right away, because ideally it should be money coming in, taxes, money coming in, it goes to the business, money coming in, it goes to you. Because as a small business owner, you need to pay yourself, you need to pay for your retirement and your savings, and for aspirational Do I want another brick and mortar business? Do I want another line of service? You need to have the cash flow to do that. And by tracking in an Excel, using those pivot tables, I know that makes a lot of people's skin crawl, but I've also seen the very successful business owners look at their financials, at least on a monthly basis. I remember, I think it was like Rachel Hollis talking about how she just ignored it for the longest time. And then she just forced herself to sit down because she knew how important it was. And when once she did that, things exploded because she knew where her money was going and where her focus goes. You care more than you see what activity it takes to make the dollar and then how, how it goes away. Right? Oh, and that's another great point. It's like you could start calculating. Well, this is the account geek in me coming out. It's like you could start calculating your hourly salary. You were saying $1,000 might come in, but you don't know what you make on an hourly basis. So that's what's been so interesting too, because I, you know, many people try to quantify the work that we do in an hourly way, right? And so for me to go and deliver training, yeah, I might spend three to four hours delivering training. You know that that took me longer than those three or four hours to put together (laughs) and my time to do all the meetings to get this planned and all, I mean, so You can't necessarily equate that. Exactly. But that's the other important thing is like, you might be in your business and even though you don't want to face it, that you're making minimum wage, sometimes that's the motivation you need to have the confidence to truly price your business at what it needs to be priced at. Yes. And also by tracking it, like just the expansion possibility too of if 
you don't know, like what I'm trying to think of is a lot of people need an assistant. You don't know when the right trigger is to get an assistant. If you're not tracking your numbers, you don't know that you might've been able to get an assistant a year ago and your life would have been so much better. Absolutely. Well, and again, as just from the, maybe the last point on the whole business side of things, as a business owner, if you don't have your money stuff in order and you're trying to get any sort of funding right now during COVID, uh, good luck. Yeah. Because they need all of your numbers and they need them all to be, you know, accurate and thorough and all those things. As another example, you know, business owners should be in business to make money. If at the end of the year, your goal is to, you know, break even, then none of that assistance would even have applied to you because you didn't get a salary last year. Mm, great. So, point. you know, it, I mean, it's just something you have to know your numbers at home and at work. Yeah. Great points. All right. So with that, hopefully we wouldn't scare anybody too much with our <laughs> look at the numbers, but I get very passionate about this subject, <laughs> but we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll just share some more tips. And then I will also share on how you can reach out to Jennifer if there's anything else you need, or if, if you want to use her services. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I am your host, Ann Mank, CPA, CFP, and Wealth Advisor with Ellen Becker Investment Group. And today we have Jennifer Buchholz with us. She is the founder of Excel and Flourish. It is a corporate tech company, but she makes it very relatable for the rest of us. So we've been talking a lot about budgeting and money and how it's important for individuals and also how it's important for small business owners. We were doing a lot of talking kind of to the point of, well, how do you analyze this? What are some ways, okay, I got the data. It's freaking me out a little bit, but how do I put this all in perspective? How do I make sure that I'm using the data to make a difference in my, my household or my business? So one of the things is once you do have the budget in the spreadsheet and then you have your actual numbers and where they land, there's all sorts of charts and graphs that you can use to kind of compare. So one would be just a version of a bar chart that shows, you know, for each one of the areas. So for example, entertainment, mm. right? Um, sometimes, it, you know, does our Netflix subscription go under there and things like that? <laughs> Not everybody really knows how to quantify that with all the right numbers. Yep. So we, again, have the idea and then we have the actual. So a bar chart can do a quick analysis and show, you know, this is what we've said we've budgeted. This is what our actual is. And then you can make your quick adjustments from there about your plan going forward of either shifting your budget or shifting your spending. So the charts and graphs that can come can also be, you know, again, they can be based on time, right? So by month, by quarter, by year, whatever, you can do it based on topic, you can, you know, compare any of those things over time. So you can start to see if there are spikes or things like that. Um, one example for me is clothes. I maybe go clothes shopping twice a year. That's, I'm not a clothes person. I don't need to go to the store and go shopping through the racks. Where other people, that's going to show up on their monthly expenses. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I look at a monthly budget for clothes, that's not reasonable. I should accrue for it monthly, but I'm not going to spend it monthly. So I don't want to look at clo my clothing expenditures on a monthly basis. I'd much rather look annually. Mm -hmm. So 
understanding, you know, how frequently you should be measuring and reviewing makes sense too. The bar charts and graphs can do a good job just creating that visual for you all the time. Yeah. And I know when we work with our clients and their portfolios, it's, yeah, we go through the actual numbers, but then we also show them a couple of pie charts. One will show them how much do you have in the market so that they have a better understanding of, you know, when they hear somebody on the radio saying that the markets dropped 10%, well, what does that really mean? They have a visual for that. Or if they hear that, you know, something over in China is going wonky, they know how much of their portfolio is exposed to that because we show them those pie charts. So, you know, each one of us is different in how we absorb information. So some of us are really good with just seeing numbers across the board, but having those pie charts and those graphs really helps the ones that are more visual or more creative um, because it helps it break it down in a way that makes sense to you. And I like having those visuals because it's a quick and easy way of seeing it. It's like, oh, there's a spike or, oh, that's too big of my piece of my pie this month. And so having those charts and graphs, very, very helpful because I don't know, sometimes numbers really just don't tell the story. You need that picture. Exactly. Agree completely. And then I'll just have to segue here because I know you are also a guru when it comes to inbox management. And so we get all these emails. And like I was saying before, a lot of this is digital anyways. You have your credit card statement, your debit, you might have some automatic payments, but a lot of this also goes through your email. So how can we use the tools that are in email, Gmail, whatever outlook that you use to help us manage this a little better? So I like to make sure that nothing messes with my money. Yep. And so to me, that includes any statements that I'm getting, whether that's bills, you know, financial statements from organizations like Ellen Becker or confirmations of things that I might have purchased online. So what I try to be really diligent on is I'm great with getting that stuff to come in via email. I don't really mind being paperless, but I don't want to lose track of it. Mm -hmm. So it's a very simple process that when something comes in, so let's say, for example, I got my Kohl's bill. Mm -hmm. Every time that comes in, I have a rule set and you can do it in Outlook or you can do it in Gmail. You can set a rule that routes that right to my bills folder. And my bills folder is the folder that I go to to make sure I've paid all my bills that month. And then once they're done, I actually retire those to a confirmations folder. That's where I'm done. So it's part of like, how do you keep it out of your inbox so you can find it? And then what do you do to process it as well? So that's part of my process. Same kind of thing for financial statements. I just have them route right to my financial folder because I know that when I want to review it, whether that's monthly or weekly or whatever that is, they're all right there. And in many cases in, in Outlook, it's just right click on the message and say add rule mm-hmm. and tell it where you want it to go. And then all those messages will, it will continue to go there. Now, you do have to be careful to monitor the rules that you put in place just in case maybe you're getting a confirmation or you're getting a question from that same email address. But oftentimes, the email address for Kohl's that sends me my bill is usually like billing at (laughs) Kohl's.com, where the thing that sends me the ad is different than the thing that's customer service. Those are often different addresses. So I don't have much problem, but I've been doing it a long time check your rules and make sure that they don't, that you don't lose track of anything. But I'll tell you that really saves me from scrolling up and down my whole inbox looking for stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 
And even though you're talking about this from a money perspective, like I'm thinking of my inbox right now. And my thought was, why haven't I put a rule on every email that comes in? Why haven't I done that? It's really simple. You click, here's the folder, delete it right away. Cause I get so much spam. Like, why don't I just say when it comes in, delete it? Like you can't. So one thing is you can do the delete it. Another great tool that's out there for just automatically unsubscribing is unroll.me. That's U-N-R-O-L-L dot M-E. And what that does is it looks in your inbox for all your subscriptions. And then it says, do you want to keep it in your inbox? Do you want to unsubscribe? Or would you like us to create an unroll.me folder and send you one daily digest with all of those emails in it? Wow. It's a slick tool. So those kinds of things. The, the only thing that scares me about putting too many rules on an inbox is that if your rules are putting stuff away that you should do mm-hmm. and you're used to doing in your inbox, mm-hmm. you're going to rack of them. So be real careful about what you move. But if it's truly stuff that you should be discarding, definitely. Or report it as junk. Don't mess I like with it. if it's even something that, well, I want to see it eventually, but just not right now. And then that way, if you have a folder, when you got a second, you go to that folder, go through them, delete them all. And, and it's just so much more efficient than yeah. I'm, I waste so much time scrolling through my inbox. Don't scroll in that case. So for example, when I was in HR, I used to get a ton of legislative newsletters. All of those were directed to a folder I called read and review. And then once a week, I'd go in and clear out my read and review folder. Sometimes I might need to keep those things. Sometimes I'd forward it on to my team. Sometimes they get deleted. But then I just knew, and it wasn't in my inbox, like nagging at me. Oh, that's a great tip. (laughs) I'm going to have to do some inbox cleanup. This is why I love being on the radio show, because I learn something new all the time. So if we just could like wrap this all up in a one minute bow, what would you tell our our listeners when we're talking about using these tools to better our life? Don't feel like you have to take it all on at once. And don't feel like you have to start from scratch. Templates that currently exist, even the one that Anne was mentioning that they provide, use an existing template. And the templates that you find oftentimes can be opened up no matter what spreadsheet program you're using. So don't worry about that. And then also look for how can you eliminate your time in doing any data entry. Start looking at your credit card statements, your bank statements, and things like that of how you can get a download and upload that into the tools. That's going to be your best way to get visual information to start tracking this stuff. That's perfect. And yeah, like you mentioned, we have a template that if you want to use just reach out to us, you know, send me an email. It's Anne with an E at ellenbecker.com. If any of this resonates with you and you would like Jennifer to teach you, educate you, help your corporation or your business with this, she definitely has the tools and resources for that. You can reach her at Jennifer at excelandflourish.com. With any of this information, if you need further details, further help, further resources, we are always here for you. So Jennifer, I want to thank you for being on the radio show. I really appreciate all of your insight with us today. Thank you, Anne. It's been fun. Perfect. Well, on Money Sense airs on Saturdays from 2 to 3 and on Sundays from noon until 1. If you like today's show and want to know more, please visit ellenbecker.com or call us at 262 691-3200. As always, I hope that I have made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, 
before we advise, before we invest, we always listen.